the Feast of All Saints is a feast that ought to give us great hope because these are all the, what you might call the little people that made it to heaven that weren't spectacular but got saved, which is what we're shooting for too, huh, is to get to heaven. Of course, God has a plan, who knows, but, uh, uh, you know, we don't want to cut him out of the picture. So obviously if he has a plan for someone here to be a great saint, we thank God for that. But uh, for the most part, we're, we're just trying to, to get to heaven and, and not be, get on the, the church's calendar. And this is the day for everybody that made it to heaven without making it on the calendar. Now, tonight I'll, I'll just start with a quote from the great bishop and doctor of St. Francis de Sales. And then we'll go with reflections on that from Blessed Dom Marmion, which I'll use as a background, but I'll be interjecting my, my thoughts as we go. So anyway, here's that great bishop and Dr. Church, St. Francis de Sales. We must not judge things according to our own liking, but according to that of God. This is the great secret. If we are holy according to our own will, we shall never be truly holy. We must be so according to God's will. Holiness is according to God's will. Blessed Dom Marmion notes, Divine wisdom is infinitely above human wisdom. God's thoughts contain possibilities of fruitfulness such as no created thought possesses. That's why God's plan for our holiness, God's plan for our sanctification, God's plan for us to become saints is so wise it cannot fail except through our own fault. God's plan is perfect. It can't fail to make us saints except their own fault. If we leave the divine idea full freedom to operate in us, if we adapt ourselves to it with love and fidelity, it becomes extremely fruitful and may lead us to the highest levels of sanctity. God's plan can't fail. God's plan can't fail. Man's plan, you can't get to heaven from here. But God's plan can't fail. He's God. He meets the job description. It can't be wrong, okay? If we follow God's plan, we'll become saints. It's that easy. It's cut and dry. If we follow God's plan, we'll become saints. God wills our holiness. He wills it because he loves us with an infinite love. And we ought to will our holiness in union with his will. He wills our holiness. He wills to make us saints and making us participate in his very life. For that reason, he adopts us as his sons. See, that's the amazing, incredible thing about sanctifying grace. We've talked about that a lot, supernatural life. Sanctifying grace is a created share in God's own life that he places into us. And it makes us holy. It gives us a share in his life. And by giving us a share in his life, it makes us adopted sons, brothers in that sense, with our Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us a relationship to the Heavenly Father we don't have of our own nature. By our nature, we're born children of wrath. That's the whole thing that Adam did. We're sold down the river. We're born enemies of God. No one is born a Catholic. We're all born pagans, all of us. Baptism is where we're born again, and we get sanctifying grace placed into our souls, this participated share in God's life. 
And that makes us, gives us the spirit of adoption as sons. Okay? That makes us heirs of his infinite glory and eternal happiness. Grace is the principle of holiness. Supernatural in its source. Supernatural in its acts. Supernatural in its fruits. God only gives us grace. He only gives us his spirit of adoption through his only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get grace. It's in him and by him and by him alone that God wishes to unite himself to us and that we can be united to him. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what our Lord said. And he's God. And if he says, no one comes to the Father except through me, he means exactly no one. Christ is the way. He is the only way to the relationship to the Father. He's the only way to sanctity. He's the only way that we can reach God. Without him, we can do nothing. Our Lord says himself, without him, you're able to do nothing. He means in terms of holiness. We can certainly perform natural things, but by our nature, since we're born children of wrath, without Christ, we end up where everyone with just simple human nature ends up now, down there. Without Christ, there is no path to heaven. Our holiness has no other foundation than the one foundation that God's established, which is union with Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation placed except that which has been placed, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. God communicates this fullness of his divine life to the humanity of Christ. He communicates it to Christ's sacred humanity and through Christ's sacred humanity. And in the church, this divine life is communicated to all the souls according to the measure chosen by Jesus Christ. So all the grace in the universe is communicated through Christ's sacred humanity and out to the church to the souls. And that grace is the only way to get to heaven. We have to make it clear to ourselves that we can only be saints according to the measure in which the life of Jesus Christ is in us. That's the only holiness that God's acts of us. That's what he's asking of us, to have his life within us. He's reaching out to us to have a life with us. He's proposing to have a life with us, even though we start off as his enemies. This is something we can never sufficiently reflect upon. When you do the Stations of the Cross, think what that is. That's an expression of his love for us, that he's going to die to get nailed to the cross for us, even though we don't deserve it, and even though he knows full well what we're going to do to him. It's not a surprise to him when we sin. He saw all that, and yet out of his love he did that because he wants to have this relationship for, with us. Now... And hereafter, okay? When you come in here and look at the statue of the Sacred Heart, think of that. The re- I mean, that's just artistic, but the reason you can see the heart surrounded with the flames, that's an artistic way of showing his heart is so on fire with love for us that it's glowing through his chest when he appears to St. Margaret Mary. It's not like it's outside. It's glowing. It's glowing. It's on fire with love for us. And he kept the wounds. He's reaching out. He kept the wounds. Those are the wounds showing how much he loves us. And what's he doing right now? He's holding those wounds up to the Father on our behalf.
He's holding back judgment on our behalf. That's why he kept the wounds. He's standing in front of the Heavenly Father on our behalf. He's living always to make intercession for us, as St. Paul says in the book of Hebrews. We can only be holy in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we cannot be holy at all. There isn't a shred of holiness in anything naturally created. There's not a shred. The only holiness is available from God by a supremely free act of his almighty will. And that's why it's supernatural. And it comes from Christ and sacred humanity in the sacraments and in prayer to us. Okay, the first Christians... The Catholics of the very early ages understood this clearly. They understood that God has given his only begotten son that he be for us our wisdom, our sanctification, our redemption, our justice. They understood this divine plan. They understood that God had given to Christ this fullness of grace that we can find in him. They live by the doctrine that Christ was their life. That's why their spiritual life was so simple and bore so much fruit. And they were living in times not unlike ours, in a great, gigantic, cynical, pagan society, drenched in sin and sexuality and corruption. The only thing that changed is we have electricity. I mean, that's about it. The sins haven't changed at all. A giant sodomitical kingdom, just like the one we're living in, Let's remind ourselves that in these days that we live in, Christ's heart doesn't love us any less, and his arm isn't any less powerful than it was in those days. God is always standing ready to pour down his graces upon each and every one of us as abundantly and as usefully as he poured it down on the first Christians. There is no change in God. His love hasn't grown weak. He doesn't love us less than he loved them. He doesn't love us less than he loved them. He doesn't love us less than he loved them. All the means of holiness that they have, we've got. And besides that, we have a couple thousand years of examples of great saints to look towards that they didn't have. So we have an advantage in that way. Don't think that because we're living right now and all this evil's going on, we can't become saints. God knows what he's doing. And any time in history when he places somebody, he's given them the graces to become a saint in their particular historical circumstances. Don't think, oh, if I lived a hundred years ago, I'd be... That's nonsense. You live right now. He knows everything. He's God. He wants you to become a saint right now. Not a hundred years ago, not 800 years ago, not whenever. Right now. Today. He wants you to become a saint. The whole idea of the Feast of All Saints is it reminds us of how much hope we should have. That he wants us to become saints as well, okay? 
too often were like Naaman the leper. If you've read read about him in the in the book of Kings, he's the, the, the general of the Syrian army that has leprosy, and he goes to Lysias, the the prophet Elisha, depending on which translation you see, and he wants to get cured. And then he gets mad because the, the prophet's cure is too simple. He says, ah. And he, he took the, he almost didn't get cured because he wasn't going to believe the prophet just told him to go wash in the river Jordan seven times. He's like, I traveled all the way to hear that. It's the same. It's not that complicated. Salvation is for everyone. This is the case. Some people make Catholicism really complicated and ornate and all this stuff and, and their exercises are more important than their relationship with him. The point of our relation, our religion is a relationship with him and he's here. You can go to all these other churches. He's here. He's here. That's the point of the religion. We don't want to lose ourselves. Our inner life serves for nothing if it isn't founded on Christ. Okay, we have to find ourselves on Christ. He's our model. He's our only model of absolute perfection, and we're called to imitate him. Remember that he's both God and man, and we have to imitate him both as God and man. Okay, Father, how do we imitate Christ as God. Well, Christ is the Son of God. And in that sense, is the most first and essential sense that we have to resemble him. How? Well, he's the Son of God by nature and by right, in virtue of the union of the eternal word, God the Son, with human nature. We become sons of God by adoption and grace by virtue of our baptism, but that's still real. When God adopts someone, he puts a nature into us that changes us. That's the amazing thing about baptism. So we actually become sons of God by adoption and grace. Christ has sanctifying grace. He has it in the fullness. And from his fullness, it flows out into us, more or less abundantly, depending on what kind of life we're leading. But in its substance, it's the same grace that fills the created soul of Jesus Christ in our soul and deifies us. In the incarnation, he is constituted by right, the Son of God. We become sons of God by our incorporation and baptism and by staying in the state of grace. The first and most essential condition of our imitation of Christ is to be in the state of grace. It's not complicated to understand. Remember, by nature, we're born, son, we're born sons of wrath, children of wrath. Our nature, thanks to Adam, is corrupted, not completely, not in a Calvinistic way, but we, it's, we've got, we're essentially good with a strong tendency towards evil, and we don't have grace. So we're heading down at the level of nature. But at the level of supernature, we're so pleasing to God that he moves in and dwells within our soul, okay? So, if first and above all, as Blessed Don Marmion points out, if first and above all we do not possess in us sanctifying grace, which is the fundamental sign of similitude with Jesus, the Eternal Father will not recognize us for his own. And all we do in our lives without grace is of no merit to make us partakers of everlasting life. We shall only be co-heirs with Christ if we are his brethren by grace. So we imitate him in his divinity by staying in the state of grace. And that's the most important. How do we imitate him in his humanity? By our works. By our works that are flowing from this love. 
if we love him, we're going to show him. Love isn't just words. It's not just a set of rules. It's a relationship. If we love him, we show him by what we do with our thoughts, by what we do with our words, by what we do with our deeds. And the first most essential acts are keeping the Ten Commandments. If you love me, if any man love me, he'll keep my commandments. Our Lord tells us this. They're Ten Commandments. They're not Ten relatively good ideas or the Ten Suggestions. They're Ten Commandments. So we keep them because we love them. They're not, we're not keeping them out of fear, although we should be afraid if we break them. That's true, you know, because he's God. But we keep them because we love them. We love him, and we don't want to do anything to damage that relationship with someone we love, with someone that went through all that for us and is waiting for us there. We don't want to do anything to damage that relationship. So we keep the commandments, and we practice acts of virtue. And the greatest one that we need to practice to imitate him, of course, is his charity, that love. All the saints were lovable. They had different kind of personalities, different dispositions, different circumstances. One thing is never different. They're always lovable. We want to practice charity. See, the idea is we come here. He gives us strength. We receive him. So it's not something, but someone we receive at communion. And we take that love out into the world because he wants to live in us. He wants our eyes to be his eyes, our hands to be his hands, our words to be his words. And to take that out wherever we are. It's a joint operation here. I can't go all the places you go. I can't see all the people you see. I have a mission in the church, and so do you. And he expects us to do it. And we have something they need. We have Christ. We have eternal life. We have the cure for hell. We have the path to sanctity. We have something the people we come in contact need. And we have to bring that out to them. And we have to become holy and bring that out to them and bring them back to Christ. Okay, let's close with a review. God's plan for our holiness is so perfect that it can't fail, except on our side. God wills, positively wills to make us saints. He gives us a created share in his own life, and he adopts us as sons and brothers of Christ. Our holiness, all our holiness is founded on Jesus Christ. We're called to imitate him, both in his divinity and his humanity. To imitate him in his divinity is to stay in the state of grace and work on growing and sanctifying grace all the time. To imitate him in his humanity is to, by our acts, to keep the commandments and and acts of virtue, especially charity, to reach out to the others just like he reached out, just like he reached out to you and I. And we didn't deserve it to reach out to others, to live a life of love, and to become saints, and God willing, very great saints.